Welcome to the Fire Inside Her podcast, a safe space for leadership, self-care, and community. I'm your host, Diane Schroeder, and it is my privilege to be your guide on the journey to authenticity. One of the greatest gifts I have found as I've gotten older is the idea of collaboration over competition with women. This hasn't always been the case for me. Working in the fire service, there were not a lot of women, and I sometimes felt that I needed to be the best, and it was very competitive, and a lot of that competition, I think I put in my own mind. As I've gotten older and more confident and have done quite a bit of personal work on my journey to authenticity, the biggest thing that I've realized is everyone has a value. You can't take away someone else's value by propping them up and helping someone else to become the better version of themselves or lending a hand and being helpful. And also helping people thrive in the same space. Naomi and Mandy have been friends for nearly 20 years. They've been together through the highs and lows of their 20s, 30s, and 40s. After each of them experienced serious health events, they realized how precious life really is. And no matter how grand our picket fences are, each of us has a story to tell and work to be done beyond those picket fences. It was this realization that gave them the idea to launch a platform for those who identify as women to come together as a community and to provide a platform to lift their voices. Naomi and Mandy believe that through authenticity, vulnerability, connection, and community, we can thrive together. Beyond Picket Fences started as a podcast and has grown to a business providing resources and events for women to share their stories and connect. What I love about this interview is that our podcast platforms are similar. They were the first to interview me on a podcast, and I have the privilege to be their first podcast where you get to hear their stories and how they practice self-care and the value of authenticity and community. Without further ado, please welcome Naomi and Mandy. This is such an honor. Oh, the honor and privilege is mine. I am very grateful that you guys are taking the time. And really, Mandy is a big catalyst as to why I even have a podcast right now. When we chatted a few months ago, I was like, I think I'm ready to start a podcast. And she was like, we just interviewed someone that's getting ready to start her own network and connected us. And it's been a fantastic relationship ever since. So. Oh, good. Tell us about that. I'd like to hear a little bit more. Do you mind? It's no. exciting. <laughs> Not at all. It's Authentic Connections Network with Shauna Rodriguez. And her whole goal is to get more women podcasters because there's not very many. And I seem to like challenges where women are the underdog and to try to bring that number up. So it's been a great process. She is wonderful to work with and has really helped guide me and mentor me along the way. So it's been really fun. Awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. She did a podcast with us mm-hmm. and really drawn to her. So yes. that's incredible. That leadership kind of guidance that you got from her. Fantastic. Yes. She has been wonderful. So to start, I'm going to ask you guys, let's see, I think I'm going to ask Mandy, 
What does it mean to you to be part of a community? (sighs) I thought about this and I think initially I kind of had that generic vanilla answer of a group of people with common interests and beliefs, but then I kind of scrapped it just knowing who I am. Mm -hmm. And although I'm not a confrontational person, I really value differences of opinions. And I feel like jumping into groups of people with different experiences is really a great learning experience. So I thought about it. And for me, a community means like just a group of people who you can trust to love you genuinely, despite your differences. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And we're done. (laughs) God's mind was understanding, accountability, trust, and love. Oh, the exact same thing. And it made me cry when I put it in there. Like having you say that I'm like, you're my seed. Yeah. And I think honestly, this question, just this, this whole podcast and journey that Naomi and I have been on has opened that up even more because we've had guests where I'm like, man, it is tough. Cause in person, they are not my person. I would not connect with them, but you know, you grow as a person when you find, I guess, common ground. And even if somebody has differences that just infuriate you, just looking for the reasons why they have that perspective and diving deeper is such a gift. That's my long answer. Thank you for sharing that. (laughs) I believe that it's the humanness, you know, once you get down the layers and you really look at, you know, proximity and you can share stories and have that safe space where people feel they can let their guard down and soften a magic happens. I always say through food is the best way in my opinion (laughs) and experience to do it because we all got to eat and Mm -hmm. it's hard, you know, when you're sitting right next to someone or listening to someone or they're being vulnerable and sharing part of their story, you just really see the humanity and the humanness in them. So thank you for sharing. And Naomi, give me a defining moment when you chose to be authentic and what was the result? Okay. So this is a three-hour conversation that I had with a boss slash partner. And it was a time in my career, just in the last three years, honestly, it was like three years ago, I've been doing um, what I do for 32 years. Didn't go to college, straight out of high school. So everything that I know is from learning from other people's mistakes and learning from mine. As I grow, I take pride in what I've learned, right? Whether it's a good thing that I've learned or a bad, I don't know until I execute it, right? So fast forward about three years ago, I went into business, uh, well, nine years ago with friends and started his company for him. And one of the things I told him was, I will never lose our friendship over this business, period. Three years ago, we lost the friendship. To this day, I'm still very sad about it. And I sat with him and I told him at this table how much it hurt me that he forgot about our friendship and it's all business. And that was, it was, I just laid it all out there. I was like, I know this is work. He hates emotion. He needs anything to have to do with the people side. And I just let it go. And for an hour and a half, I just focused on what honestly hurt my feelings as a friend. Mm-hmm. Then we spent another hour talking about work and his treatment of the work side. And you can see how emotionally I transitioned very easily from the personal hurt and the work hurt. I'm not crying over the work hurt. The work hurt mm-hmm. is business. It's what it is. But the personal side still impacts me so deeply. And 
I believe in um, energy and chakras and it hurts me right in my throat and my heart, mm-hmm. the business piece, like I'm, I get it. Like I get where he's at. And the last 30 minutes was really understanding that that personal relationship was gone. And work is a very important part of my life. It's what's mm-hmm. defined me for many, many years until I had cancer. And so I put it out there and it didn't heal me. It took me three more years and forced to separate us partners in a company. Like I probably would still be with him as a partner if, you know, we hadn't dissolved the company. And, um, but it was great because I still look at that and I'm proud of myself, even mm-hmm. though the outcome wasn't what I wanted, mm-hmm. which was for him to hug me and say, I love you as a friend. Like, let's figure this out. But I still look at it and I'm proud of myself. That sounds like a really challenging time. And I, I can imagine because you're being authentic and you want a certain outcome. And that's the roll of the dice when you expose yourself and you let it all hang out there. You're never quite sure how it's going to be received mm-hmm. and you can't control that outcome. And I'm not really a big fan of that since I might have control issues. I prefer to know how everything's going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> might be Me best. too. Same, same, same. Me too. So the two of you are podcast hosts and you guys have been friends for a while and work mm-hmm. together. Tell me how that works out for you guys. Like what boundaries do you guys set for your community and how you do things and how you do things differently? So that doesn't have to happen again. Wow. Well, I'll start out by saying we started out working together 20 years ago. I hired Mandy as one of my employees. Mm-hmm. We were young and in our 20s. Our friendship developed while we worked together extended beyond working together and have done contract work with each other for several years. And then we went into business two and a half years ago together. Mandy has really good boundaries in all of her relationships. And I have no problem hiring, firing, and working with friends. Like I can separate the business piece. And Mandy can too. Mm-hmm. So there's a quick answer, but there's a lot of meat inside of there that we can go into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, part of the reason why or how Beyond Picket Fences came about was I, for a long time, didn't have good boundaries. And I ended up in a place where I was literally drowning. I ended up in the hospital and basically bleeding internally, not sure why, super, super, super sick. I was eventually diagnosed with ulcerative colitis on tons and tons of meds, steroids for a long time. It wasn't really getting better until I realized it was the lack of boundaries that was causing my body to shut down and say, Hey, stop, you need to, you need to fix this. And it's on you. It's nobody else. It's Mm -hmm. you having gone through that. And then Naomi having gone through cancer, we kind of faced that same kind of life or death situation, if you will, where it's life slapping you in the face, telling you, Hey, you need to to take control. So by developing those boundaries, I think we had developed them beforehand. So it's, it's helpful in business. Plus we're very different people. I'm super introverted. I am unsensitive. I'm not insensitive. I'm not a sensitive person. Naomi's extroverted. She's very sensitive. I'm very technical and creative, and she is very structured goal-oriented. And if she puts her, her mind to something, we're getting it done. I'm totally, 
I suffer from analysis paralysis. <laughs> I can think about it forever and never get it done. So we make a really good team in a lot of, a lot of ways. So we kind of round each other out. And, you know, I think of it a lot like any kind of relationship. If you cherish the person on the other end, mm-hmm. you're going to do what's right by that person, which is respect their boundaries. Mm-hmm. And until Mandy tells me I can put my foot on the gas on something, I know I do the pace that I need to do to make sure that she doesn't feel like I'm like, we're going to do this. This is when we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. <laughs> and I respect her enough and I don't want to lose her as a friend or as a business partner. And we're very honest about that. We will communicate about our frustration or if I'm feeling like, hey, you know, I don't want to lose you as a friend or a business partner and this is where we're going and this is how I'm going to react. Like, are you okay with that? And, you know, she knows in the beginning when we started this, I went to mental therapy because I was Mm -hmm. afraid of being judged and not being liked and people making fun of my vocabulary and the way that I use words incorrectly. And she was very sensitive to that. We had feedback in the very beginning and she was like, Naomi, this is going to hurt you. But we talked about this, like you want to hear it. First, I was like, oh, I'm a badass. Oh, can we cuss? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm a badass bitch. I got this. Blah, 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 blah. And then I sat on it for, I don't know, a couple of weeks and we're sitting in her husband's office. And I was like, I have to let you know that hurt my feelings. It's not you, but we got to talk about this. Like, can I do this podcast thing? And that's what I get from her is I can be vulnerable and authentic and just judge me. Hmm. I don't have to be that badass bitch all the time. It's coming to work. You know what I mean? Running companies for people, making them a ton of money making sure that all the operations are streamlined and that everybody's doing their job. People are getting fired when they have to be fired. People are getting hired when they have to be hired. Like I can come in and be like, I want to be sad because that really hurt my feelings and I want this person to like me. And she's like, it's okay. Like this is where it's coming from. And that is huge that you can trust your partner in any relationship. When I think one big tip, I think that would be helpful is Naomi and I meet typically twice a week. Once, uh, is for business on Thursdays. We, you know, take care of all the, the business side. And then on Saturdays is when we typically record with guests. And the first part of every meeting, we, we just connect. Mm -hmm. Where are you at? Where am I at? Like, even like, how's your day going? What's going on in your life? You know? So we have that time and we know it's there just to talk about personal, how we're feeling so we can get it all out. And then we can move on because I think when you go into something, especially when it's something like this, where you're expected to be creative or, you know, emotional and you go in with unsaid words or emotions, Mm -hmm. you tend to close up or get angry for all the wrong reasons. Right. And so having that specific built-in time, it's structured for us, even Mm -hmm. though it's just become so natural now is extremely helpful. I can imagine. And I, I appreciate that. My mind is going (laughs) (laughs) listening to all of your wisdom. Um, it's, you know, if you come into a meeting or a vulnerable conversation and you've got your own rocks that are weighing you down, you're focused on those rocks. It's like Mm -hmm. sitting on a thumbtack, you know, you're like, oh, I'm distracted by the thumbtack instead of just pulling the tack out and addressing it. So I am grateful for that. I think it's really cool. And it could be more, it feels like it's a more feminine, like women collaboration over competition, 
you know, you guys can have the difficult conversations. You can focus that relationship and you can be vulnerable and share. And Naomi, it, it sounds like, and I work in a male dominated profession. So I understand that that have to be so strong all the time and like just hardcore. And for me, I, it comes across sometimes as I'm bitchy or I'm too domineering and it hurts my feelings because people just don't really know me and they don't see below that. But then at the same time, that's the image I present at times. And I think I've softened over the years, the older I get, the less fire I have when it comes to projecting that, or I've just learned that I can just be me and that's okay. Would you agree with that, that it, it helps that you guys are both women and that you're both committed to the communication piece of it? hundred percent. I think that's easier for Naomi than it doesn't come naturally for me. Tell me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we talked about this early on, maybe even our first podcast. I I grew up in a wonderful household, but first, I don't know what it was, but I grew up thinking that I think it was vulnerability. We're talking about vulnerability that has always been, and it's still in the back of my mind, vulnerability, the word crying, anything to do with being open is a weakness in my mind. And so for, for me, it takes effort to get it out. Um, luckily Naomi and I've been friends for so long and I know how she's going to react. <laughs> so it's not so hard, but I think it, it just comes more naturally for her. Just, I just have that block. Well, you know, what's so fascinating about that is as a child, I'm a very emotional person. So I didn't learn to be a tough ass bitch until work. Mm-hmm. So privately, I actually took that extension from work and put it in my personal life and became more work-like at home mm-hmm. instead of home being work. And I remember I was 29 years old. I had been in the industry for 11 years and I was killing it. I was the top performer in the company. It was a local developer largest local developer in the Denver metro area. And they used me as a training property and employees were transferred to me. And I thought I was like, wow, you know, I'm making great money. I was top, you know, money was a big thing. Title was a big thing. And I used that to elevate myself and, you know, because I had um, issues with believing in myself. So I used those things to catapult what I thought about myself. And I had a really great employee named Anne. And Anne, I've spoke about her on a earlier podcast. And one day I hope she listens to this. And she was a great employee. I loved her structure. I loved her promptness coming to work. She was always interactive. She listened to directions. She executed flawlessly. Come in one day at work and there's a note on my desk. It says, Naomi, you're a really good person, but you're a fucking bitch to work for. (laughs) And her keys were on the note. And (laughs) I started bawling, bawling. I called my regional manager who shockingly was super supportive. He was like, Naomi, he said, yeah, you're a really good person, but you expect everybody to be you and they're not you. Everybody are themselves. And I was like, but Joe, you transfer everybody to me. And I'm the training property goes, no, Naomi, we send them to you because we know they're going to quit or you're going to fire them. Like we just send you the people we don't want anymore. And I was like, what What are you talking about? And he was like, and I'm bawling. And he goes, you need to go home. So I started driving home. And I'm like, I just wanted her to like me. I'm like, what is it about work, Naomi? And it was exactly what you said, Diane. I had to be this on point entity that always had their stuff together, always knew what was going on, always was prepared, never was wrong, didn't go in doubting herself. And I was like, yeah, she is a bitch. 
to his bitch. I wouldn't want to be my friend. And I've always been trained. You don't make friends at work. And I'm like, but you can be a good person. Mm -hmm. Right? So I really had to work on being a good person and deconstructing that 11 years took me another 11 years. And I'm still learning because she comes out sometimes. And that's the humanness part. I'm sure I appreciate that. And thank you for sharing because that's really vulnerable. And I guess my question is, did you feel like you always had to be on point because that was the expectation of the employer or was that your expectation because you were afraid that if there were any chinks in your armor, that someone might see you as less than the badass that you are? Me, for sure. And I remember one specific moment, another female, we were sitting in a meeting and she was an asset manager and I was in real estate. So we manage apartments. And I was the property manager and she was the asset manager and the owners were there as well. And I had admitted in this meeting, I made a mistake. And she pulled me aside and said, don't ever make a mistake. You're never going to be invited to the table again. And she was trying to say it from woman to woman, like be careful being vulnerable because men don't see it the same way. And I took, I'm a very black and white person. Mm -hmm. So the gray area is where I had to learn to be more human-like, right? A robot's black and white. Mm -hmm. Humans live in the gray. And that one statement, it wasn't her fault, but it's how I took those words in my black and white personality and who I am that makes it easy for me to perform. Because if I know one is one and two is two and two makes you happy, I'm going to be a two. Right. Just show me the path. I can do it. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's definitely me and how I take those words and make them black and white. Do you think that influenced how you relate to other women in business now, as you've gone on in business several years later, that whole scarcity mindset that you got to be perfect to have your seat at the table and there's only two seats at the table. So, you know, keep your game on. Did that influence like, well, wait a minute. Cause I believe that we can build a new table or a bigger table or put as many damn seats as we want on it. I will say that I, through Beyond Picket Fences, have been given a completely different view of what the table looks like. And that I don't, exactly what you said, I don't have to be invited to your table. I need to be invited to the table that gives me the energy and the community that I need to be successful. And the community I need is that understanding, accountability, trust, and love. And if the table I'm going to doesn't give me that, then I don't have to be there. There's a lot of other tables. <laughs> There's a lot of freedom in that, which is a great segue. So I want to hear more about your Beyond Picket Fences community from you two and how it's two and a half years, right? That's, that's a long time to have a podcast and tell me all about it and tell us what it's about and share. Yeah. So, so go, go ahead. ahead. Eddie. No, no, go. Well, you, you started it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you how it briefly, how it started. I was walking out at six o'clock in the morning and I wanted to write a book and I am very insecure about my written communication. So I called Mandy at six and I was like, if she's up and she answers the phone, we're meant to write a book together. And then COVID happened, couldn't write a book. She's like, do you want to do a podcast? I'm like, Heck, no, I don't want anybody to hear my voice. So fast forward through the last two and a half years, we have an international community. We were nominated for an international women's podcast award. And we have since grown into not just storytelling, but we just published this week, a hundredth episode for meditations, for guided meditations. And through the storytelling, 
piece have moving into retreats. So this year will be our first Beyond Picket Fences retreat, partnering up with practitioners who do Reiki, massage, and Mandy just got her two certificates in yoga and nutrition. And we're pairing all of that together. So we're doing a retreat. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> that's really <laughs> exciting. I'll ask more about the retreat later. Thank you for sharing all that. What do you say, Mandy? So for our community, we built this platform for women or people who identify as women. Mostly we have had a few male and male identifying guests, but for the most part, it's, it's women to give them a platform to tell their story because beyond picket fences represents kind of that perfect scenario that whatever the picket fence is for each person this perfect life that you want to get to that you assume once you get there, everything's going to be grand and wonderful and okay. Well, if you've approached your (laughs) forties, you know that even if you get there, there's a whole lot of shit beyond that big offense to go into that. Yes. I think we, in the society, we don't share that. And so we look at each other and we're like, well, they, they have it all and their life is wonderful. And why can't I just get there? I have everything. Why does life feel like this? Or why am I still experiencing what I'm experiencing when everybody else who seems to get there has this wonderful life? What we realized is life is just ups and downs for everyone. And so we wanted to give that platform to be vocal about it just so we can create a community where we can just be real and vulnerable and say, Hey, yes, life has these wonderful, wonderful hills. And then, you know, we'll all have these valleys and let's just be in them together. So yeah, that's kind of what we've created. Our guests have all different stories, all different walks of life. Some of them have shared their business triumphs. Some have gone through some horrific, horrific life events. In the end, we're all real and we're all here and we're alive and we're people, you know, just connecting. And so that that's kind of the community we've created and it's been extraordinary. I would agree. And I love listening to your show because I love listening to the genuine stories and you guys are great hosts. You let the guests talk and share their story. And it's, it's so genuine and natural. It doesn't seem forced. It's well, it's authentic. Thank you. (laughs) The guests are typically extremely nervous. They are just as scared as the prior guests in telling their story. And, you know, you just want everybody to know it's normal. Mm -hmm. And afterward, not one person has said this was a horrible experience. Like, you know what? This was great. And they love it. And they got it out there and they can't wait for their story to help just one person. Well, and I think it's not often that we get the, the time and the attention to tell our story. I mean, unless you're, you know, with a therapist or something like that, but to, to be open and real and, um, to tell your story and know by doing so in a public forum, you can potentially help somebody else is just so freeing. Mm-hmm. It's the connection. And I agree. I have been on your show as a guest and, you know, just getting it out is there's something freeing to that, to just 
get it out and not keep it inside. And then you realize, like you said, everyone has a story to share and everyone's really nervous to share their story. But when you hear it, you're like, oh man, I'm not the only one or, mm-hmm. you know, it's they have relatable. the same. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the, again, the humanness and in today's world with social media and, you know, social media, perfect everything. And now I, I'm sure you guys can relate. I look at it differently. I'm like, that's not real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's gotta be more to it. You know, genuine happiness does exist. I don't dispute that. We just don't give enough light to the work it takes to get there or the bumps along the way, the potholes we all fall into. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, um, I was out the other night and there was a gal who listened to our podcast and she goes, you know me, she said, all of your stories have a happy ending. Why doesn't anybody ever tell a story where they're right in the middle of the shit? And I said, I'm going to tell you, we struggle with that because um, people aren't ready to tell their story because they're not sure if other people truly want to hear the shit. Everybody wants that happy ending. Right. Mm-hmm. When you're hearing a story, if the movie ends and everybody dies and there's no winner and nobody is standing at the top of the mountain with the sun illuminating them, like everybody wants that happy ending. And she said, What about those of us who are still in it? Like, so that we know that there's, and I was like, That is such a profound question. It is. I wonder if, and I don't know what she told her, but I wonder my answer, I think, would be to give you hope that the mess, the messy middle, right? Everyone talks about the messy middle, Brene Brown, you know, Glennon Doyle, like Mm -hmm. you got to go through the mess. You can go around it for a while. You can try to outrun it. You can run far away, but whatever the shadow the mess is, is going to catch you at some point. And if you're in the middle of it and to hear that, oh my gosh, so far everyone gets through it. I think that's the answer. That's the hope that yes, continue to put one foot in front of the other And, you know, it might still be bumpy and no one can tell how long it'll take, but it is possible to get through it. What do you think? When you're saying that, Naomi, I was unaware of your conversation, but we did have a guest and probably more than one, if we think about it, who was, is is suffering an eating disorder and she is in the middle of it. And she was very open about that. You know, I'm in treatment. She said, you know, she, she's not healed, if you will. And I think a lot of times it's like seeing the grass is greener, kind of what we were saying before, like you look at other people and you think, oh, life is good for them. Life is good for them. My life isn't that great, but they probably still are doing the work. But when, when you listen to them, you're not seeing that because you're focusing on yourself, your own story. And so we have had a handful of guests who are still doing the work. That's a good point, Mandy. I didn't even think about that. And what's fascinating, it took us over a year and a half to find a guest with an eating disorder because they're all right in the middle of it. Well, and it never goes away. Just like, just like, you know, any, any form of addiction, it's always there. Well, and so is needing to do the work, right? The work never ends either. I will always be doing the work in some form or fashion. In fact, last week I was talking to my therapist And he asked, you know, this question, I'm like, God damn it. 
can I just get the certificate that says you've done the work? <laughs> oh, Good I read job. your email and I love that. <laughs> I'm like, I am so tired of uncovering I just move on to the next one. <laughs> that I have to deal with. Just tell me I'm good. And he's like, well, I can, but is that true? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> just, it never ends. And maybe that's the message, right? Like even mm-hmm. happy and true. being in a good space, like there's still stuff that's going to bubble up because we're still human. And while it's beautiful to grow older and get into midlife and, you know, that's a lot of years to unpack mm-hmm. stuff and then, you know, to try to learn from it and move forward. So yeah, the work just really never ends. And maybe that's the message that we don't share enough, right? Like, oh, I'm better, but wait, I still see my therapist every four to six weeks and I yeah. still have those check-ins. Yeah. That's well, actually really good. And to be honest, we do have, we've had multiple guests where we just like we are right now, we've signed on and they have broken down and they said, today is not the day mm-hmm. and they're in the work. And sometimes when you're doing the work and it's so hard, it's just not the day to share. Right. Of course, you're not going to hear that. <laughs> no. Well, and you know, it's also really hard to tell your story sometimes without re-triggering until you've done the work mm-hmm. so that you can share your story from a place that makes sense. I, I think when I think of the times I've been in my darkest spaces, I don't know that I could have really talked about it that where it would have made much sense for anyone because I just wanted it to stop. I felt like I was on a merry-go-round and I couldn't put my foot down to get off of it. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard to articulate it in the moment when you're in the middle of it. As I think about all of this, I think about this thing, peeling the onion. This is like peeling the human, right? You're peeling (laughs) the layers off. And then as you peel one layer, it exposes the next layer and exposes. And when you're done, you've passed on, right? Mm -hmm. Because There's so many life experiences that are going to, like you just said, trigger something from years and years ago that until that happened, it wasn't there in front of you to work on. Right. Which is why the work never ends. So you guys, you guys hear a lot of these powerful stories. How do you, and not just through what you hear, but just in general, how do you guys take care of yourselves? What does self-care look like for you to make sure that you maintain your boundaries, that you keep softening and, you know, remain genuine, authentic. What do you guys do to take care of yourselves? I have a very structured and intentional self-care routine because of what I went through and because self-care and boundaries were such a huge part of my healing, that part of my story, I have to continue that. So I don't regress into more flares and back in the hospital. So For me, it's, I wake early. I wake at the same time every day. I do a gratitude journal. It's me time. And then I do yoga every day. So I, and I go to yoga. So for me, it's very easy to shut myself in, to be alone um, and to be away from people. And I'm totally fine with that, but I know that that's not healthy for me. So I have a very specific studio that I go to Diane goes as well. And it's an amazing, amazing community of people who just give me good, good vibes and moving my body. And so I've got yoga and nutrition was a huge part of that. I such a huge part that I decided to learn more and become a nutrition coach so I can help other people through their ailments. And then most recently, um, quitting drinking so that I can kind of round it all out and just be a more well-rounded, healthy person and 
sleep better. Sleep, I think, is the most important part of self-care and the most overlooked. That's when our body does most of its healing and processing. And I think that's where as people in our society and as responsible adults, we tend to fail and, and neglect. I agree with that sleep. 100%. I've tried so hard, even with shift work to focus on sleep, but when I don't get an adequate amount of sleep, I'm a hot mess Mm. and everything else seems to fall apart when I'm tired. Mm -hmm. It's really no different than a child. (laughs) It's not, you need it. <laughs> Naomi, what about you? Uh, it's, so it's so funny. So when Mandy said earlier in this episode that we're completely different, we are. So my self-care is not being around people because I always am around people. I love being around people and I tend to really tap into their energy and I want to fix everything with that person if they need fixed because you know, I think that people need me as a whole member of everything. Anyway, so <laughs> my self-care is actually in the morning. I sleep really well. I am not one to wake up or one that needs um, to have any assistance in getting to sleep. I'm to sleep in seconds and I sleep very sound until I wake up in the morning. So sleep is okay. Where I want to do is I immediately want to call somebody in the morning. I want to talk to somebody. I wish everybody was awake so that I could purge all my thoughts that I thought about overnight while I'm sleeping and I want to get ready to go for the day. So I have to really just be like, okay, I put on my Zen music. It plays throughout the house. I go work out by myself down in the basement. We have a fitness center that my husband built. And from there, then I go in our Zen room and I spend time with myself, whatever that means. I could read a book. I could meditate. I have a specific meditation routine that I do to clear my chakras. I will walk around the house, just kind of looking out the windows and just spend time by myself. My husband likes to wake up late. We have adult children. We have no kids in the house. We haven't had kids for 10 years. And... um, So we spent our 40s without any children in the house. And that's my self-care. With that, though, I have to have people contact. So once eight or nine hits, I've already been up for four hours. I have to have contact with people. So that has to typically be somebody who I have a really good energetic connection with. If I start out with somebody who I know energetically just gets me all riled up right away, really challenging to come out of that self-care into that. So I have to be really careful who I have my meetings with in the morning, who I'm connecting with in the morning. I won't read text messages if I don't open my phone. I have to be really careful the first text message that I reply to. So I have about three or four people that I would make contact in the morning just to make sure that that energy stays consistent with people. And then I can tap into kind of the energies that don't align with me all the time. I love that awareness. I feel like I'm a hybrid between both of you with self-care. I'm not really a big fan of people, but I agree going to the yoga studio is just a very affirming, gets my energy going. And at the same time, if I engage with the wrong person, it just ruins my entire day (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it just sets it off in a funk Mm -hmm. and self-care is so important. It just, it's, and I think we underestimate the power of it or really what self-care is and making sure that we have that capacity for just ourselves and to just make sure Mm -hmm. we're taking care of us first. 
tell me how people can find you. I'll put it all in the show notes, of course. Why? Aside from the amazing meditations and the award nominations and the great article in the magazine that just came out and (laughs) all the really cool publicity you guys are getting and picking up. So what, what makes Beyond Picket Fences special? Thanks. Well, what makes it special truly is that this is a platform that there's no judgment, none. And we want to hear all perspectives. As Mandy said earlier, we are better because of the people that we listen to. And this is a platform for you to reach out to people who may not think like you and may not have had your same life experiences. And you can also listen if you want to be a guest for a guest. And if you want to listen, you can listen to other people's life experiences and help you grow your circle because you may not have friends or family that have experienced that. And this gives you that opportunity, that education in somebody else's life experience to help you. And you can easily check us out on bpfences.com. So it's short for beyondpicketfences.com. And on that website, we have a homepage. We have a blog page. Mandy does blogs for us. And if you're ever interested in writing for us, you can email us and we will meet you and talk about what blogs and stuff. And we'll post them on our website for you. Podcasts are all on there. We also have a shop on our website where you can shop for Beyond Picket Fences merch on there. We also have a resources page. So if you have a service that you feel our community would benefit from for free, we can work out adding you to our website. We do that once to twice a year and update our website. And we can look at adding your services as long as they meet our brand onto our website. Awesome. And do you have a date for the retreat or is there just more information to come for that? So we don't have a solid date. We are aiming for the last two weeks of June. So it'll be probably a three to four day retreat, all female. I believe we'll have the capacity for 12 guests. It would be like a Thursday through a Sunday or a Thursday through a Monday or something like that. So June, we should have more detail um, beginning of March. That is really exciting. And it will be 2023 in the Denver Metro, more of the Foothills area of Colorado. Mm -hmm. Perfect. That is so exciting. I can't wait for that. And we didn't really ask the question. And I'm curious now because I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since we talked pre-show about Naomi not knowing who her leadership crush is. And before we wrap up, I I just, I feel like we need to unpack that a little bit. talk about the leadership crush and how you can't think of one. And maybe Mandy, if you want to share your leadership crush, I have so many and I'm Uh, happy to share mine. So I have a ton. One of your other questions that you had sent us was what book have you read recently? And I'm like a self-help junkie, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but my current leadership crush is Mel Robbins. I think she was the biggest motivational speaker for the last couple of years. Um, but now she has a podcast and like, I cannot like every Wednesday morning, hers comes out too. ours comes out on Wednesday as well. But like, that's the first thing I listen. I just eat her up. Like everything she says, I'm like, yes, yes, Mel. Like we're like best (laughs) friends now. So she's mine. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Um, mine, my longtime leadership crush is Brene Brown always. Um, she was probably my first leadership crush ever. And I also really like listening to Adam Grant. Uh, mm-hmm. Recently, I've, you know, read, listened to his books and, you know, I just like his different perspective on things. So those are my two current ones. So what's fascinating, <laughs> I didn't go to famous people at all with this question. I went through all the people. She's been in leadership forever. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I literally went through all the people that I've worked for and I have mentors and I took crush as that's so funny. So I took crush as somebody that not, but so I think of leadership as somebody who I aspire to be like somebody who would make me better, who rounds me off. Right. So crush, I was like, I don't have a crush. Like I'm not like in love with any but I have mentors, people who I am like, you are so badass. If I could have a little piece of you, like replicate that, I would be so honored, right? But I took it with the people that I have worked for. Didn't even take anybody famous. That's totally okay. There's no parameters on that. And that's so <laughs> fascinating. I wonder if when you say that question, if most people go to famous people instead of people they've worked for. It's so funny. I've asked it one other time and it was a hybrid answer. She was like, yes, there's always, you know, the famous people I also want to have dinner with. Maybe someday in my mind, we're besties. And then the real world people that have influenced careers and, you know, who she is and those steps. And so, yes. That's like, I couldn't do it because I couldn't wrap myself around doing famous. But I will tell you though, the leader that has impacted my life the most and the one that if she wasn't in my life and she, I never worked for her, I would be who I am today as a softer, kinder, more thoughtful leader is a woman named Karen Gladney, who is um, a phenomenal local female leader here in Denver. So if I have to have a crush, it'd be on her. That would be it. Well, thank you. And then the last question before we end our awesome chat is what do you guys think is one or two things that you could apply or tell someone who's listening to apply to help them with their authenticity? Like what are a couple things that you could do every day just to be a little more authentic? For example, I always say a few affirmations before I get out of bed in the morning in my head to myself, like, you know, bright, bold, and beautiful. And I've got today. And it may sound cheesy, but that's what I do to be like, I'm authentically me. I feel good now. I can keep going. I would say one is if somebody frustrated you the day before or made you sad, are you willing to tell them? If not, write it down, put it on paper, and you don't get to throw it away until you're able to tell. And if you can never throw it away, you've got to work on it. That's awesome. Mandy, what do you think? I've got two. One is something I've been practicing over the last couple years and I call it my thanks. I know. So when you are complimented in your head, if you don't feel comfortable saying this out loud, (laughs) your only response is thanks. I know even if it's in your head. And so while that may sound egotistical, (laughs) the practice of it, when you're constantly doing it, it really grows your, your self-image and your confidence So eventually when somebody is like, wow, you're super strong today, or you look beautiful today. You're like, thanks. I know you actually like, yeah, I I am like, I know. Thanks. That's one. And then the other one is to listen. So whenever you're talking to somebody, I think a lot of times you want to, to fix or interject with your own story or opinion. And I would say to stop and listen because everybody just wants to be heard. They don't always need you to say anything. Just stop and listen. Very wise words. Listen is our word for this year for Josh and I, my partner. That's what we picked. 
so that we do, we focus on listening more to each other. I love that. Wise words. I love it. Thanks so much. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day to listen to this episode. Curious on what to do next? Go ahead and follow wherever you're listening to this podcast so you can get updates each week when new episodes are released. And head on over to thefireinsideher.com slash audio for a free audio to help you get started on your self-care journey. Until next time, remember, you are a badass and you are not alone.